start a series today called Three, where we're actually going to be for the next three weeks talking about one of the most vital doctrines or teachings in the scriptures. If we get an understanding of this thing, then our expansive knowledge of God begins to open up. What I'm talking about is the Trinity. Now, for those of you who are new to church, uh, maybe new to the Bible, you're just now opening the Bible up, you're just now uh, being a part of this thing called the church, the Trinity might be something you've never heard of, or if you've heard of it, it's really kind of unclear to you. In fact, there are people who've been Christians for years who still find it intimidating, mysterious, and even daunting to understand. But here's the thing. The Bible is very clear about it. I mean, if we, if we, if we really jump into what, what Jesus teaches about it, uh, really even from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the whole scope of the Bible, we see that God wants this to be very clear in the hearts and the minds to understand who God is, that he is truly one God. There's not many gods. There is one God represented in three persons or three roles and responsibilities. Now, that might seem mind-blowing at first, But what we're going to see today and for the next three weeks is God actually does, through his scriptures and through understanding, want us to grasp this. So this is kind of the the, the goal of this series. I want to go ahead and put it out there so that we can, for the next three weeks, kind of look at see how we're winning on it. Uh, Series goal, the Trinity is the key to knowing everything we can know about God. And so our goal is to help those of us who are Christians and those of us who are contemplating surrendering our life to Christ, that we know more about how God's nature and how he is wired and what his character is like and ultimately how he wants us to know, experience, and respond to him. And that is through this thing called the Trinity. Now, you'll never see the word Trinity actually in the Bible. That is a word that that the church fathers have over 2,000 years begun to describe God three in one. So why is it important that we talk about this? Because as we just saw in that goal, to understand the Trinity, God one and three, is to understand everything that we can know. I say can know because our human minds can't know everything. They're finite, they're limited. But it, it, it helps us understand everything that we can know about who God is and how we will not only experience him, but how we will be changed and how he will use us in the world that he so loves. We're gonna get to Matthew in just a second. Uh, My son, Ethan, 10 years old, you guys hear me talk about him all the time. He just recently got up from the elementary soccer team at his school to the middle school soccer team at his school, which was a big deal to him. And he was excited about that. And he doesn't get a lot of playing time because he is a David among Goliaths. But when he does get into the game, uh, you know, it stretches him and, you know, it calls him to, to higher levels. So he's excited about, you know, kind of being stretched that way. Uh, well, just recently, a couple weeks ago, he got into the game. The, the coach put him in the game. And uh, one of his uh, teammates, uh, who is about three grades ahead of him, he, he's a really tall kid, uh, got a, a goal from an assist that Ethan you know, kicked to him. He's, he, you know, kicked it, and then his friend got it. And so as they were cheering on uh, the goal, uh, this eighth-grade kid who's, you know, kind of a giant to Ethan, 
uh, points to Ethan as they're running back to center field and says, you're the man, Ethan. And so, you know, to a fifth grader, you know, an eighth grader saying that to him was like, you know, it was like, wow. And so even, you know, he turns and looks back to uh, this, this kid, you know, who's, you know, uh, you know, his senior, and he says, no, you're the man. And then the eighth grader goes, no, you're the man. And they go, like, do they do this tennis volley back and forth all the way back up to midfield. And, and, and it was quite, quite comical to hear about because at the end of the day, here are two guys who honestly believed that they had both scored the goal and wanted to give the other credit for it. And so it was, a, it was a really cool moment. But here's the thing. Contrasting moment, same game, opposite team. There's another kid on the other team who stands head and shoulders taller than some of his teammates. And he just had a completely different attitude. Like he was bossing his players around, like all the other guys on his team. He always wanted to throw in the ball. I mean, he would come from the other side of the field on a throw in and go, I'll get it. And he would throw it in. Every time there was a penalty kick, he wanted to be the one to do it. And his teammates, you could kind of see this angst. You could kind of see this tension among his teammates. There came a point, and this was like a breaking point for the whole crowd because the whole crowd was just kind of like, what is this guy doing? And, and he, he actually threw in the ball to his own, his own teammate, comes back into play and steals the ball from his own player. Yeah, that's exactly what the crowd did. The whole crowd went, ooh, like, really, man? It was terrible to watch. But you could see two things happening, two different teams and two different atmospheres to do two different teams. You had one team who had this mutual love, respect, and recognition of each other. And then you had another team where everybody was fighting for position, everybody was fighting for respect, everybody was fighting to get theirs. And you had one person who was a little bit stronger, a little bit taller, a little bit more intimidating, sort of running the show. I say that because all of us have been in families, we've been in groups, we've been in, in businesses, and, and we've even been in church environments where one of those two environments was present. There's something, though, about when we are in a group, when we're in a church, when we're in a family that thrives on everybody looking at the other one and saying, it's because of you that we're winning. And that person looks back at you or other people in the group says, no, it's because of you. And there's this really cool thing happening. Yes, there is a hierarchy of, of, of authority and there's a leadership structure, but there's something about the way that they love, respect, and, and yield to one another that is very attractive to us as human beings. And we wanna be a part of those groups. Some of you are thinking about that right now. You're thinking, yeah, I remember when I was a part of this in college, or I remember when I, when I worked for that company, or I remember, yeah, you know, you know, there was a time in my family where, and you remember how much peace you felt because of it. You remember how, how much confidence you felt because there did not seem to be anyone volleying for position or putting other people down. And you also know that there is a time in your life where either you or a group that you were a part of was not healthy. It wasn't a healthy group. And everybody was trying to manipulate the system. Everybody was trying to get theirs. Everybody was trying to, you know, score the point and take credit for it. 
whatever it was, whether it was your family, a team, or, or whatever, and there was something about it, you just always felt this angst, and you always felt kind of this icky feeling, and you, oh, yeah, and you always felt like, ugh, I got a witness over there. He's like, yeah, preschool, man, that's what it's like. Here's the truth that I want us to see today as we look at the Trinity, and, and this is key. Let's check, check, check this out. We long to be in a group that mutually loves, respects, rewards, and I would even say recognizes each other for the win because it is a picture of God's trinity within us. Now, now that may not make complete sense right now, but, but I think once we, we get into some of the con- content today, it will. I want to say that again. We long to be in a group that mutually loves, respects, rewards, and I'll add recognizes each other for the win. There's something in us that... When we see that exist, we want to be a part of it. Like when we hear our friends talk about their small group, it's like, yeah, man, when I go to group, it's, you know, the, the leader isn't like preaching at us and, you know, ordering us around. Or when I go to work, man, my, my boss is just this guy who he just, he, he never lords his position over us. And, and you, you keep, you, you get it. And there's something inside of us just compelled to that. Why is that? Let, let's, let's bring that up just one more time. Because, because it is a picture of God's trinity within us. And this is what we're going to see. God has placed his nature and his virtue in our hearts. And when we get close to it, we, we sense it. And when we're far from it, we also sense it as well. And we get a picture of this in Matthew chapter 3. A picture of God's nature as one God in three roles and responsibility or three persons. Jesus Christ, who we are going to refer to throughout this series as the divine son of God, who became the human Jesus. That's going to make more and more sense as we go. He became the human Jesus 2,000 years ago. And at the age of 30, began a ministry towards crucifixion. And that crucifixion would represent the divine Son of God giving his life to the redemption of all sins of humankind, past, present, and future. He begins this ministry, though, by yielding himself to water baptism. And right now at ETR campus, there are two people being baptized in this same rite, in this same ritual, in the same symbol. And you'll see their baptisms next week. But Jesus began this. He began his ministry saying, no, I don't need to repent of sin. No, I don't need to make that symbolic. But I do want to show my future church the importance of what it means to die in order to resurrect. And that's what his baptism meant. But in this baptism scene, we get a picture of that truth that I just shared with you on the soccer field, but also in our hearts, but also in the nature of the Trinity. Look what it says. It says, verse 16 of Matthew chapter 3, as soon as Jesus was baptized, so there is the divine Son of God who became the human Jesus. He's in the water. He went up out of the water. So you get this scene of the Son of God, who's the human Jesus, coming up out of the water. Something happens next. Second part of verse 16. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God 
which we will refer to throughout this series and in any time we talk about the Trinity at this church as the Holy Spirit. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. So you get this idea of there is Jesus in the water. Holy Spirit is, a, is, is, is descending like a dove and spotlighting, putting the spotlight on the sun as if to say, look right there. What's about to happen is mind-blowing. It is earth-shaking. It is transformational. And so the Spirit is spotlighting the Son. And then here comes the Father. Look at this, verse 17. It's right up here. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, there it is again, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So something's happening here. This is absolutely fascinating. You have God who is one. You have the son in the water, the spirit spotlighting him, the father saying, look right there. Look there. That is my son. I love him. I'm pleased with him. And what we're going to see is that the son then will point back to the father and say, that is my father. I yield to him. He's my authority. He must be your authority too. He must, and, and then the father takes that and he sends it right back to the son. He says, you need to look at my son because if you want to know and experience me, you have to yield your life and you have to surrender your life to a belief in my son, Jesus Christ, that I sent him as a gift to lead you and to redeem you. And then the son points right back to the Father and the Spirit. Check this out. I know it's getting crazy. The Spirit is pointing to both of them and saying, hey, look over here. No, look over there. Look at both. Aren't they awesome? And so you see this thing happening. It's absolutely fascinating. A guy named Bruce Ware uh, wrote this in his book, The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, the Christian faith affirms that there is one and only one God externally existing and fully expressed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which we just saw in that scene in Matthew 3. Each member of the Godhead is equally God. Each is eternally God and each fully God. Not three gods, but three persons of the one Godhead. Each person is equal in essence, as each possesses fully the identically same eternal divine nature, yet each is also an eternal and distinct personal expression of the one undivided divine nature. Wow, that's pretty heavy. Like, I'm sure some of you are scribbling that down quickly. Man, I can't wait to share this at lunch. It's going to be awesome. But I want us to look at that graphically, because if you're like me, you know, you like pictures. It's like, oh, look at the pretty bird. Oh, a picture. That'll help. I want you to look at this picture for a second because this will help us understand Matthew 3 and the whole idea of the Trinity that's happening and what, what where was, was, was alluding to. The Father up at the very top, check this out. He sends the Son. He says, I want you to go and put on human skin, become Jesus, and I want you to live a human life to let humanity know how crazy I am about them. Listen, some of you need to hear that. You need to hear that God is not the kid throwing the ball in and stealing the ball from you. He is the one who is saying, hey, you are special to me. You, you are winning. 
even in your failure. You are strong even in your weakness. And I love you so much that I send my son to make all that possible. I think some of you maybe have forgotten that in your life. And maybe your prayer life is just weak and it's hitting these ceilings. Maybe your faith life has just come down to going to church routinely and kind of getting it all out of the way. And yet the whole time God is saying, no, I want to do something magnanimous and miraculous in your life. You have to those know that it begins and it is completed with my son, Jesus Christ. That we open up the scriptures, that we listen to his Holy Spirit, and we literally ask, how would Jesus handle this situation? And I look at the scriptures and I go, wow, he, was, he made himself nothing. You know, he, he was a servant. And when he was bold and when he was angry, it was always for the right reason. And that's what the Father is saying to us. Listen, if you want to know me and you want to experience me, look at my son. Look at my son. And then the son, in that very scene, looks up at the Father. And he says, that's my Father. And he is the authority. He is the supreme. He is he is to be your father just as he is my father. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about that in a second. But, but God literally has placed fatherhood in the DNA of the universe. I mean, we, we laugh at, at, at Matt's little, little strength and weakness there where he was talking about, you know, producing, you know, female children or not being able to. But, but there's, something, there's something about that that, that causes us to go, but wow, you know, fatherhood, it's something we can't get away from. In fact, when it doesn't exist in a culture or in a society or in a nation where men shirk that responsibility, when they don't rise to the occasion of fatherhood, what happens in a culture, what happens in a community, what hap- it falls apart. It falls apart. Poverty moves in. We see that globally. We see that even here in our own nation where there's cultures where fathers have checked out, where they have made babies but don't raise them, where they raise them passively or abusively. They raise them in the skin of flaws and failure that it just, it blows up. But when when men who become fathers lead with courage and lead with humility, then everything becomes peaceful and success in the wind begins. Well, God put that in the universe. God says, fatherhood is going to be a part of my identity. He says, I want you to see me. I want you to experience me as a father, not as a divine force. You know, we don't pray divine force, help me. We don't pray mother universe, would you please? He says, Father, unapologetically, Father, I want fatherhood all over the fingerprints of your life, of your family, of your neighborhood, of your church, of your community, of your culture. Fathers, listen to this. Your role is from God. Do not drop the ball in it. And when you do, go to the Son 
and know that he is pointing you back to the Father. You can be forgiven. You can be redeemed. Now let's go do this. In fact, that's what Jesus says. If you, if you turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, this is how Jesus says to his disciples, you are to pray. He says, when you pray, pray this way. Our, say this word with me, one, two, three. Say it again, one, two, three. Our Father. Wow. When you pray to God, pray to the Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So when you talk to God, when you think of God, when you see God, think of him ultimately as your father, as your father. Uh, I had a friend growing up, he was an adrenaline junkie, even at a very young age. In fact, his dad was a Navy pilot in Vietnam, and this was right around the time um, that Top Gun was out, and so, you know, every kid wanted to be a, you know, a, you know, a Navy pilot. Well, his dad was a Navy pilot, and he wanted to be a Navy pilot, and so he had, like, you know, Navy fighters, you know, posters all over his room and, you know, hanging on his ceiling. I mean, just, he was that kid. You know, he was, you know, maverick. And he just, you could just see even at a very young, and his dad knew that too. His dad knew that he just had this adrenaline spirit. And so, you know, his dad was, was trying to harness that and even kind of protect that. And one of the things that he said to his 12, 13-year-old son, is like, hey, listen, I, you know, I want you to play. I want you to have fun, you know, but, but I do not want you to ride and there was this neighborhood kid who had a four-wheeler. He says, I do not want you to ride the four-wheeler. And I, th- I think his dad just knew that at 12, 13, that his adrenaline junkie son, that if he had that kind of power, uh, that he just didn't have the wisdom to, to handle it at that point in his life. So his dad just said, for right now, no four-wheeler. No four-wheeler. Oh, dad, just trust me. No four-wheeler. And when we earn a little bit more trust, we can do that. So I remember, you know, he was just always just like, you know, the, the kid in the neighborhood would just drive by because there were some trails and, and he would drive by with a four-wheeler and, you know, you could just see, you know, he was just like, ah, like. One day, though, his dad was out of town and neighborhood kid comes by on the four-wheeler, you know, revving up that engine. Hey, man, come on. Let's go to the trail. Your dad won't know about it. And so he jumps on the four-wheeler and they go to the trails. And, of course, within an hour or so, he does a big air jump, comes crashing down, breaks several bones in his body, ruptures his spleen. He heals, he recovers, but once you lose the spleen, it's over. You know, you, you don't have a spleen. You can't fix that. And if you don't have a spleen, you can't be in the Navy. And if you can't be in the Navy, you can't be a Navy pilot. And so here was this dream that he longed for that was crushed just like that in a moment of stepping outside the authority of his father, a father who knew him more than he knew himself and knew what he could handle and what he couldn't handle. You know, when Jesus says to us, pray to your father, he is saying, this is the role that God wants to play in your life. 
He wants to protect you as a father. He wants to provide for you as a father. He wants to put things in your life that says yes or no or stay or go or do or don't or will or won't because he knows you and me better than we know ourselves. He knows our character. He does. He knows, he knows your character, the creepy, crawly, dark things better than you do. He knows the light and the beautiful and the, and the potential of who you are more than you do and more than I do. He knows our competency because he gave them to us. He knows what you will thrive at if you will turn the authority of your life over to him. He knows your capacity. He knows how much you can handle and he knows how far he can push you. Better than you know it. Just like a perfect heavenly father. And yes, we get glimpses of that in our reality today. Maybe you had an earthly father that just like Kevin Mahan's wife, like Rachel Mahan's grandfather, lived this powerful story, even as a flawed human being, that gives us a glimpse of our heavenly father. Maybe that was your dad, and yet you still know he was a weak person. Our heavenly father, though, is perfect. He knows you more than you know you. He loves you. Your identity, your failings, your flaws, your insecurities, your strengths. He loves all of that more than you can even love that about yourself. And what God, what God says is, I want to father you. I want to be the authority in your life. And when we look at the Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we see this truth. That God is fathering us with authority. The moment that we say authority, immediately, well, some of you are offended by that. You're offended by that. You say, well, what do you mean, authority? And it's kind of like, I don't like that. I don't like somebody say, yes, no, stay, go, do, don't, will, won't. I don't like somebody. I think that I should have that. I, I know me a little bit better. I love me a little bit better. And what Jesus says throughout that prayer is, no, 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 no. God is your father. And he is unapologetically stepping into your life as an authority. A loving authority that knows and loves you more than... And listen, some of you need to hear that because you have come to church today with a a suitcase full of baggage. From saying to God, yeah, 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 four-wheeler, whatever, Uh, I'll see you later. And you got on the four-wheeler, you married that guy, you took that job, you didn't do, you didn't go to that place God wanted you to go, you didn't confess that sin, you begged God to speak to you, and when he did, you said, hmm, I don't like that. You fill in the blank. And you're here and yeah, you believe the Bible is true. And yeah, you, you, you believe Jesus died for your sins. But man, the Holy Spirit and the Father are so faint in your life right now. And you've got a broken marriage to prove it. You've got an empty career to prove it. I'm here to say to you, though, 
that the Heavenly Father brought you here today, I believe, through the leadership of His Son and the inspiration of His Spirit so that you could hear that God wants to father you again and that He sent His Son, Jesus, to forgive you for whatever thing that you think you can't be forgiven from and that you're here today because He placed you here and the Father is pointing to the Son. That, that's who's, that's who's going to redeem you. It's his life and his death on a cross and his resurrection. And the son is pointing back to the father. Hey, you need to do business with the father today. You need to bring him back into the authority of your life. You need to tell him you're sorry. You need to tell him, I want, I want your spirit in me to lead me bolder than ever before. And the Holy Spirit the whole time is pointing to them both. And, and they're saying, hey, right there in scripture, right here in this moment, God is revealing something to you about himself. And when you know this about him, you can know the next thing you need to know and experience the next thing you need to experience about God. Man, I love that. In fact, Jesus says this in in John 17. He prays for his disciples. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, okay, that your son may glorify you. So there's that, there's that picture again of, no, you're the man. No, you're the man. No, you're the man. And that's what we love. Remember that? Remember that truth? We, bring that truth up again. We, we love to be a part of a, of a relationship or a community that mutually loves, respects, rewards each other for the win because it is a picture of God's trinity. Jesus says, God, you glorified me. You sent me here to show the world you And now I want to give you all the glory that your son may glorify you. Verse 2, for you granted him authority. There's that word, authority. And Jesus says, you granted me authority, Heavenly Father. And I took that authority. And what? Over all the people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. And so Jesus says, God, you granted me, Father, you granted me authority and I use that authority to redeem all humankind, not by lording power over humanity, but by giving my human life up for her. Man, I don't know about you, but when I know that God is so crazy about me that he would send his one and only son to forgive me for all the stupid, crazy things I do, not just on four-wheelers, but in relationships, and how I hear him sometimes and I don't obey him, how I, I, I say, thank you very much, God, I'll take it from here, and yet he is so patient with me, and it's all because his son on a cross. And God says, that right there, that right there, my son is why you can even you can even walk and talk to me. And the son says, he's your authority. Honor him, respect him. Go when he says go. Stay when he says stay. Do when he says do. Don't when he says that too. And then jump down to verse 26 of John 17. He says, I made you known to them, my disciples and future disciples, and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me 
may be in them and that I myself might be in them. Guys, here's the thing. The Trinity is all over your life right here and right now. God is fathering you with authority. He wants to create boundaries in your life. He wants to create horizons in your life. He wants to expand your capacity to do amazing things. And he does it through the Son. And he points it out through his Spirit. I wonder today what the Holy Spirit is saying to you about the Father and the Son. I'm going to ask the band to come right now. As they come, I want to tell you a story. You know, we've been talking about uh, a family in our, our church over the last several weeks um, who's experienced a pretty big thing in their life. You know, a child who uh, has been in a, an induced coma for weeks. And many of you have kind of been tracking with this family, the Fouts family, Nate and Robin. And, you know, I've shared stories with you week after week and just how they're doing and, and even some things that, that, that I'm learning from them under great adversity. Um, two weeks ago, they were moved from Charlottesville, Virginia, UVA, to Charlotte, North Carolina, to a children's hospital there. And uh, kind of corresponding with them, you know, how are you doing? And um, the one thing that Robin says, she says, I feel like we've kind of had to start all over, you know, that, that all the relationships that we've developed, all the influence that we've been able to, to, to earn from, from the medical community and the nurses and the doctors up in Charlottesville, I just feel like, you know, we're having to start all over. She goes, it feels kind of lonely. It feels kind of daunting. So she was very honest about that. And so we were continuing to correspond and, um, you know, she's just talking about how she's discouraged. But she said this, she said, uh, Nate, her husband, kind of stepped up and, and, and in this discouraging two or three days, you know, just said, you know what, I think we're supposed to continue to be here. And I think Elisha's going to progress the way he is because there's other people that we need to just share Jesus with. And we did that in Charlottesville, and now we're supposed to do it in Charlotte. Like, I don't, you know, when I, when I sit there and I think about that, it's like, you mean... You know, what you're saying is your son may not get well as quickly as you want because God wants you to continue to be here in this place to give his love, to give his story, to give the love of the Father that comes through the Son away to people who might not yet heard it. And so, you know, as, 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 as they're humbly just kind of telling this story, I, I'm just blown away by it. And the text that we got was, hey, we feel like we're supposed to be here a little bit longer because there's a whole floor of the hospital here we haven't yet reached out to. And last night we bought them pizzas and just started sharing our story with them about where God has taken us from the beginning of this to now. I tell you that story because, you know, here's a family in our community that's under a lot right now. We've all been kind of carrying that with them. And, yeah, we all kind of have those things in our life too. What if, though, we just became this group of people who recognize that we have a heavenly father 
was crazy about us that he would send his son Jesus to express his love. That we have this relationship with Jesus that's constantly one of repentance and forgiveness and redemption. And we have this Holy Spirit in us pointing us to both of them and saying, he's your authority, he's your redeemer. He's your authority, yes, no, stay, go, do, don't. He's your redeemer, I'm sorry. Forgive me, lead me, show me. So much so that when your life falls apart, whether it is your child is in a coma, or you're just about to sign the papers on your marriage. That God is right there in the midst of it saying, would you let me give you my story and my authority to give away to people who you haven't yet heard it? That's who God is. I want to give some of you, though, the opportunity today to receive. God's love for you through Jesus Christ. And maybe that's been confusing and daunting for you for for years. You've come in and out of church. But today, the Holy Spirit has made things very, 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 very clear to you. And I want to give you the opportunity to surrender to that. I want you to listen to this song because I think it captures the heart. And while you're doing that, if you have not yet yielded your life, surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. I want you to do business with your heavenly father today and say, Father, I want you to father me. I want your authority in my life. I want your protection, your provision. And I know it begins with acknowledging your son as my savior. I believe that he died on a cross for my sins today. And today you can be forgiven. And today As you listen to this song, let the Holy Spirit bring your sins and your failings to repentance and give those to your heavenly Father as he has given his Son to wipe it all away. Then let your life be changed today and join this family and join this movement. And then, like people like Nate and Robin, give it away no matter where you are.